came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come into America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here. We've got one great show for you today. We have Judge Janine Pirro, Dr. Peter Mihalos, How Do We Live Longer, Senator Eric Schmidt, Gordon Chang on the Far East, what's going on with China, and Bob Luntz. Well, is the strike over at General Motors? What's going on with electric vehicles? Also, His Royal Highness Prince Pavlu. We have a very special guest today. We have Crown Prince Pavlos of Greece and his wife, the Princess Marie Chantal. And welcome. We're proud to have you here. You are the Crown Prince of Greece. Your mom is now the Queen of Greece. I am sorry to heard that in the last year or so your dad has passed away. He was a great gentleman. And I remember the first time I met him when we had a dinner party for him at the 21 Club. And uh, the other time we met is when the new Greek church was, what's the technical word in uh, in the church that it was? Uh, Sanctified, uh, they, they put the, the cross on it, the, the St. Nicholas you're talking about. It. Yes. Yeah. And your father was responsible for getting that church built because he had met Fidel Castro, and your dad told me the story that Fidel Castro says, what can I do for you? Well, your father says to Fidel Castro, well, you, we lost our church here. Can we have it back? <laughs> can we have it back? And Fidel was, was shocked, and yeah. well, he, he built he, the he, church. He asked his guys to, 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 to give it back to, to the king. He says, give it back to the king. And they said, well, you can't because you've given it to your son. It's now a... Uh, music center, and, and so he says, okay, well, we'll build you a new one. And, and that's how we all got together in, uh, in Cuba maybe 15 years ago. Or, it was 2000, uh, and was it 2004 or something like that? Yeah. Uh, and uh, 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 yeah, he a, built, Castro paid for it. He built the whole new church for, uh, for your dad, yeah. uh, King Constantine. Uh, so just to go back, you, 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 know, you said my, my mother's the, the queen. And so just to make it clear to the audience that, that Greece is a republic right now. So my father had been king of Greece, and it is now a republic. My father passed away in January of this, of this uh, year. So, so um, you know, I, I'm now the representative of the, the, the head of the family as such. But the interesting thing about your story with, with Castro is it, it shows you how special relationships can make things happen. My father, you know, who is obviously a former king, speaking to the arch enemy, if you want, the, the leader of an, a communist country. But they both understood each other really well and um, had a personality that made sense. And they knew how to share the right ideas to help people. And, and Castro, wanted to and Castro respected your father. That's right. He yeah. respected your father so much, he built the whole church for him. That's it. It's incredible. And I remember uh, on the consecration of the church... You and your father and your mom and your brothers and sisters were in the front row of the church. I was sitting behind you with Curtis Sliwa because my wife didn't want to go to church for four hours. <laughs> Did you last the whole four hours? Yeah, we, we lasted the whole four hours. 
uh, which is something that you, you you can do when you're young enough to do it. And it was a special occasion. We were all younger. Yeah, we were, yeah, we were all younger and uh, excited about that about that event. You know, actually, the patriarch is the same age as my my father. So, in, in fact, that was kind of interesting because he was there as well. Well, we had the patriarch from Constantinople fly in. Uh, with a whole delegation, and uh, the Archbishop from New York with a whole delegation. So there was maybe a couple of thousand uh, Greeks came to uh, Havana to consecrate the church. Uh, yeah, it was a, a memorable, a memorable occasion. And um, you know, but living living here in New York for the last few years, it's been it's been good to be close to you and 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 see the great things that you have done with this city yourself. And um, you know, we we thank you for all of the good time and efforts you've given there this city that has uh, made you who you are today. Well, thank you for all the help you uh, are contributing towards a better world. Now, tell us about King Charles now is your cousin. That's right. And uh, I, I was shocked because I didn't remember, it doesn't connect, uh, when we were at dinner last uh, Saturday night, that King Charles is 50% Greek. That's right. His, his father was a, a prince of Greece, born to uh, Prince Andreas of Greece, so f- Prince Philip, uh, Duke of Edinburgh, was uh, born in Greece, actually in Corfu, uh, the same place my sister was born in, in, in our, our summer residence in Corfu. Wow. And, and tell us about the whole monarchy. Things are changing so fast in Europe. I'm so sad about all the, the things that are occurring in Europe. Tell us about how you feel. And well, your aunt, by the way, is what, the queen of... Uh, yeah, my mother's sister is queen of Denmark, and my father's sister, Sophia, was queen in, in, in Spain, and, and since her husband retired, her son, my first cousin, Felipe, is now the king there. And and the thing that sort of, um, I, I think, stands out in this day and age about a, a monarchy is, first of all, all monarchies in Europe are democratic. So the head of state is not running the country per se. Their governments, uh, through their prime ministers, are running the country. So the vote of the people still s- serves them as they as they want. And then the, the head of state, being the, the king or the queen, is the person that helps unite the people around them. And in a very similar situation as we have today with the Israeli-Palestinian situation, the, the kings would try and keep people unified. And in the, in the wars, for example, in Greece, we tried to help the, the Jewish population in Greece. In Denmark, the king was famous for, for walking around and wearing a star with, with, with the Jewish population were forced to wear a star. So we have this relationship with the people which tries to keep them united and not fighting each other on any being a Republican or a Democrat or, or a Labour Party or a Conservative Party. It's like, let's keep you united. You vote for who you want, but we try to keep you united. And I think that's why it works very well. That's a great symbol. Marie Chantel, will you say at least hello to the audience? I, I don't know if you can hear me. Hello. We can hear you. Thank you so much. For and and uh, you, uh, you, how long are you married to uh, His Royal Highness? Uh, it will be 28 years. Wow. And how, many, how many children do you have? Five. We have five children. Wow, that's, yeah. that's so, uh, terrific. Uh, girl, one girl and four boys. That is terrific. Girl, girls are tougher than boys. <laughs> yes, but great. It's a great And we've got uh, to thank this city yes. for because two of them went through NYU. One and the third one is in NYU today, and the other one went to Georgetown. Uh, yeah. And then, the and then four were born in the U.S. So Does that great. make them U.S. citizens? Yes, so they're all yeah, they're they could, all U.S. citizens. They could be presidents here. <laughs> My God, that, that, that's that's something. See, we don't know. I mean, like I, I, I knew uh, Queen Elizabeth's uh, husband was Greek, but I never, rem- I never put two and two together and say King Charles is half Greek. 
Now, what else do you would like to say? I, you know, I just met your your friend. Um, Curtis Lewan. Curtis Lewan. You know, this guy, I, I remember watching these guys in the 80s doing great stuff for this city. And uh, meeting him today was a real honor for me to, to, to reconnect with that and see how I, they actually still function. And so I guess something to say on but that that's is... But he's the Red Angels, right? Is that what it's called? Guardian Angels, Guardian, Guardian yes. Angels. Guardian yes. Angels. Yeah. I remember in, in Cuba when we were standing in one of the rooms and... Fidel Castro walks in with all his guys wearing the green, they're wearing a gray beret, and he looks at at Curtis with the red beret, and Fidel Castro says says to the people with him, "Is he one of us?" So what what Curtis reminds me about is is that they're still good in this world, yes, and and he's neutral to everybody. It's just about protecting everybody out there. It doesn't matter what your color, your race, your religion, your money, your whatever. It's about protecting and everybody to be treated equally. And I think that's what we should think about: is is put aside your 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 religions and your beliefs and so on, and be nice to your neighbors. And, more pe- and, and, peacekeepers, don't you think? Uh, just you know, go about yes. your work. Get get do the right done. thing. Make people yeah. happier and and put. Keep people together. Yeah, this country well, is about working hard and doing good. and Forget about hurting the, your neighbor. <laughs> well, Prince, uh, Your Royal Highness Prince Pavlo, I feel good saying it like that. Your, <laughs> Just your, call your, me MC. Your, your Royal uh, Highness uh, Marie uh, uh, Chatel, thank you for stopping by, and we'll see you again real soon. Thank Jonathan, you so much. It's a pleasure being thank here. Thank you. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. With us today is Judge Janine Pirro. Judge Janine, how are you this Sunday morning? Well, I am good, but, you know, uh, as a result of recent events, I'm more concerned about America than I have been. And, you know, you know I've written eight books. The last one is Crimes Against America, The Left's Takedown of the Republic. But we are so past that right now. We are on the verge, I believe, of World War III. This is like a pre-World War II moment. It's like the only thing that's missing is Kristallnacht, unfortunately, in terms of the assessment of what's going on. We've got right now 24 servicemen and women in, in Iraq and in Syria in 13 separate events they've been shot at. And we're still waiting to respond. You know, my, my take on all this is if you shoot at an American serviceman, we come at you with a tank or a missile. You know, right now we're kind of in a hold pattern until, until we can get the missile defense systems over all of the Arab nations where our U.S. troops are. And make no mistake, we're all over. I mean, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait and Qatar and the UAE. I mean, we're all over the place. And what we've got to now try to do is is nuance this in a way where it stays a regional war and doesn't become a World War III. But I think that Iran and her proxies are pushing as much as they can to see how far they can take Joe Biden in their mission to destroy Israel and, and the, the, the United States, you know, the big Satan and the little Satan. And, it, you know, I am tired of what's going on on university campuses. I know that what we have done for the past, I don't know, two decades is create young people and put in their minds that, uh, you know, who become the leaders of, of, of corporate America, you know, that America is an oppressive uh, country and that the people here are white supremacists and colonists. And now they're pro-Palestine. And let me explain something. The mission of Hamas is to destroy Israel and exterminate the Jews. Then it's pretty clear what's right and what's wrong. But our universities as recently, you know, as this past week, 
you've got Jewish students who are locking themselves in libraries as the anti-Israel protesters pound on the doors. This anti-Semitism is the biggest problem that we're facing on universities, and they think it's okay. And it's about time that the big donors and the big money people like Bill Ackman and you've got uh, a guy named Offer who's saying, we're not giving you millions anymore. And the University of Pennsylvania that allows this kind of hate to proliferate, it's got to be stopped. Well, we all agree with you 100 percent, but it seems like Washington has their own ideas. One of the things, uh, Janine, that you may not know, under the Trump administration, uh, Iran was only producing 400,000 barrels a day of oil. Because Biden uh, was a little more lenient, a lot more lenient to Iran, they're now producing over three million barrels uh, uh, well, a day of oil. And you know what that equates to? Two billion dollars in cash a week. A week. Yep. And that's what right. they're using for the terrorism. And the joke I tell, which is not too far from the, the truth, Hamas is the foreign legion of Iran. Well, there's no question about it. You've got Hamas that's being funded by Iran, Hezbollah being funded by Iran, the Houthis in Yemen being funded by Iran. Let's not kid each other. Iran is promoting the destruction of Israel and ultimately the United States. And you talk about Donald Trump. Was there a problem when Donald Trump was president of the United States? No. Did Putin dare to go into Ukraine? No. Did any of this stuff happen? In fact, it was Donald Trump who did the Abraham Accords. And we were right on the verge of Saudi Arabia and Israel creating an economic bloc. Now, the problem is that Joe Biden and Barack Obama have a love affair with Iran. I don't know what it's all about, but if you'll recall the millions of dollars in unmarked planes on pallets for Iran, and then Joe Biden comes in and he starts sending that money back. I think Donald Trump put an end to it. Not only that, he allows the, the Iran to sell on the international market. You know more than I do, $50 billion, $100 billion a year. And when Hezbollah gets involved, as they are from Lebanon, they have precise missiles. They don't have that homemade stuff like they have in Hamas. You know, the, the world is so naive. In 2014 and 2021, we were giving all kinds of aid to Hamas for the Palestinians. No, they were using it for missiles. They were using it for bombs. They were using it to create tunnels, 400 miles of tunnels that Israel now has to go into to try to get American hostages. And when Amer- if any ha- American were killed and Donald Trump were president, we wouldn't be in this situation. But right now it's, well, maybe yes, maybe no. And we've got to recognize that we have allowed this to happen. The United States has allowed Iran to steal $6 billion. They still haven't clawed it back from what they paid for hostages a couple weeks ago. Well, I mean, this is lunacy. Judge Pirro, it's, it, the $6 billion is Trump change considered that they're making now $2 billion a, 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 a week I on, agree. On, on, on the oil we're allowing them to produce. But shouldn't a message be sent, at least to the American people, we're on your side, we're going to pull back that $6, six billion? I mean, come on. You know, right now there's a release of 29, I don't know if it's million or billion from Iraq that the United States gave approval to that's going to Iran. 
Look, we have not. Joe Biden is a weak president. He has been weak since he got on the world stage. And everything that he's done, Joe Biden, from the, you know, the leaving of Afghanistan, turning over our weaponry to the Taliban and, you know, the killing of 13 Americans when they couldn't get their act together to, to tell them you're approved to engage with a with a person they knew was a suicide bomber. You know, it, Joe Biden is not the president I'm disappointed. we need right now. I am disappointed a great deal in Joe Biden. I'm disappointed in a great deal in the Democratic Senate that they don't stand up to President Biden because a lot of bad things are happening to our country. A lot of bad things. And the, the what's happening at the universities is shows you that it's happening from the ground level. They have convinced our kids to be anti-American, and right now our kids are anti-Israel. You know, last week, Queen Rania— I talked to, uh, I talked to Brian Kilmeade the other day, and he feels mm-hmm. a lot of these students are being paid. Oh, I'm sure they're being paid, just like Soros was paying them when Trump was president. But there is, if you look at the world and how the world revolted after the massacre of 1,400 Israelis, children being burnt, pregnant women having their babies cut out of their it's, stomachs. It's, I mean, it's, it's just horrible. horrible. It's just horrible. One, one last thing. One last thing. I talked to Bill O'Reilly the other day, and he reminded me of three things. Because a lot of the Democrats are saying weapons, weapons, weapons. Well, when Hitler took uh, came into power in Germany, they took away everybody's gun in 1933. When right. uh, when when um, what is the name of the Russian dictator came into power, they took away everybody's guns. Right. They take away people's guns. That's the first step. That is of, absolutely of something bad happening. And and you know what. 350,000 to 500,000 Germans died when we started bombing Germany in World War II. Nobody said boo about that, but God forbid you try to rescue hostages in Palestine, and even the Arab countries won't take the uh, Palestinians. Egypt doesn't want them. King Abdullah said, I have a red line. I won't take them. Why? Because they're They've been raised as children to kill Jews. That is their mission in life. With these Judge Pirro, we're almost out of time. You're going to be on at 11 o'clock Sunday morning, like every week. Your, your show is yep. syndicated the whole country. What are you going to talk about today? Well, what, what we're going to talk about later this morning is we're going to talk about the war and the reality of what's going on, not unlike what we're talking about now. I've got military people that I speak to every day from the IDF, as well as uh, former generals and colonels in this country to talk about those tunnels that you hear about. You know what, John? They are not one foot wide and, you know, six feet high. They are cities that they built under the under the Palestine. And we're going to talk about what exactly is going on in those wow. tunnels so Americans get a better idea. Of I, I will be listening. That's what I do on Sunday mornings. I listen to your show at 11 o'clock on WABCradio.com. Thank you so much. We love you. Take care, John. Take care. Keep the faith. This is the Cats Roundtable. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable. If you ever miss a segment or want to hear it again, Go to WABCRadio.com, go to podcasts, go to minicasts, and play back your favorite segment. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos, our in-house genius. Dr. Peter Michalos, what's up this Sunday morning? 
Well, we're going to talk firstly about some exciting news happening in the world of COVID. It looks like we have another antiviral pill to block COVID. And when you talk about antiviral pills, unlike vaccines, which are targeted for certain specific variants, oral antiviral pills target all the variants because basically they block the replication of all the COVID viruses. And some exciting news out of Japan, out of uh, Xiangi Pharmaceuticals in Osaka, and citrelavir is an oral antiviral, and they found that it produces results that you tested negative for COVID three days faster. You didn't end up with long-haul COVID as much, and your symptoms like cough, headache, fever also diminish much more rapidly. Unfortunately, it's not available in the United States, and it has to go through the FDA process, so we may not see it till 2024. But it's nice to know that we have that option to be able to take oral antiviral pills right away within the first 72 hours so that it's not as deadly uh, a virus. And thank goodness, as we've discussed earlier, they they eventually burn out and they become less deadly, more contagious, but less lethal. Well, I I had a few of my friends uh, a couple of weeks ago had uh, uh, COVID. I I had a touch of it and I took those pills and I was okay in uh, five days, four days. Yeah, the moment. Is anybody dying at all? There are still deaths in certain people who are higher risk, and it turns out that they've done some genetic testing, and certain people with certain genetic and DNA profiles seem to be more susceptible, not only to that, but to uh, all viruses. And interestingly, when they did research on the Neanderthals, they found that they had that gene that prevents you from fighting off viruses as well, and that's why a lot of the Neanderthals uh, died. So there also is a genetic component. And then we're going to talk about, after we talk about some other interesting news, we're going to talk also about the 4,800 viruses they found living in the gut of centarians and people who live a long time. But before I get into that, we're going to just brief- So in other words, the good stuff that makes you live to be 100 is in your gut and having the right viruses, the, the good viruses in your gut. Yes, the viruses in our gut are called the virome and the microbiome of the bacteria. And when you have a healthy diversity of these uh, in balance, it turns out that your ability to process and detox, because basically they need a place to live. Viruses don't have a body. And when they stay in our bodies and coexist with us, they have a place to live. But in exchange, they seem to have functions and they actually can detoxify a lot of the bad things and any potentially bad foods. And they learn to break down bad substances to try to help us keep alive. And they studied people in Japan and Sardinia, which are blue zones, and they found that they have more viruses overall and more bacteria than an 18-year-old. And they also have a more uh, a greater diversity, which means a greater variety of viruses, whereas the 18-year-olds had less viruses and bacteria, not only in amount and diversity, but these older people seem to have more. So it turns out that a lot of 80% of our immune system turns out to be in our gut, and everything that happens in our lives seems to be uh, originating in the gut and obviously what we eat. And our, our longevity is 20% genetic, but 80% is what we do with those genes and how we live, how we eat, how we exercise, how we sleep, and uh, it's that healthy uh, balance. The uh, other thing that I wanted to touch upon, because it's so important because we're seeing more and more, and we worry a lot about what's happening in this country with 
drugs and narcotics, but there's a new movement and there are even some uh, NFL players talking about the benefits of the psychedelic mushrooms. And the other day, there was an Alaska air pilot who uh, confessed to having taken it before he got on the plane. And fortunately, the co-pilot stopped him before he shut the engines off in mid-flight and almost killed everyone. And one of the things is that I want to tell young people that, you know, before you start using these mind-altering substances, you can have long-term side effects. And I understand in a controlled environment, they may have some benefits for certain people with PTSD, depression, other things. But please, if you're a truck driver, a pilot, a surgeon, please don't use psychedelic mushrooms when you're about to operate a truck driver going 80 a a truck driver doing 80 miles an hour on the highway yeah i don't want my eye surgeon having a scalpel in his hand or my heart surgeon after they did uh, psychedelic mushrooms and our brain we're really a big bag of chemicals and we're easily affected by all these outside substances and we're finding out more and more and even the epigenetic studies uh with i've done a duke university with marijuana and how the epigenetic changes are generational where it gets transferred, the genetic changes that it causes to uh, male sperm. These are all very important things, and as a country, it weakens us, and I think it affects our national security, our disaster preparedness. When we have you know, all these people, instead of DWI, now we have a new culture of DW high cruising down the highway, and you can see some of these people. There's a lot more wobbling in the streets, and in Colorado, they're seeing a lot you, more you accidents. Live- you live uh, a lot of the times out in the Hamptons areas of Long Island, and I've seen, I get the patch reports. The patch reports have so many head-on collisions from, I guess, alcoholics or, or I guess, uh, uh, people that are drugs. I mean, how do, you, how do we live with that? The problem is that the people who do all the psychedelic mushrooms, there's no testing for that when you get pulled over. There's no testing for when you're high on a marijuana or a marijuana that's laced with these other substances like K2. So there is no current method to test, and that makes it more of a problem. And it is a- adding danger. So, um, so you never know when somebody's going to come and hit you head on. Yeah, no, that's one of the reasons why I avoid even the left lane. I try to stay in the middle lane, especially in inclement weather, because you have a greater chance of recovering the vehicle if someone is coming at you, and you have to have greater situational awareness when you're driving, because I don't really worry about my own driving skills. I worry about the other person who's just done some mushrooms, and they're texting at the same time, and we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, fatalities, and uh, it's just something that we need to be aware of as a as a country and uh, protect our youth especially and educate them in the schools that, yes, there may be medical benefits, but, you know, there are other long-term benefits we usually don't really understand, as we've talked about. Sometimes our technology is ahead of our biology. We don't really know fully what all the side effects of these things are. Dr. Peter Michalos, last week, uh, an Alaskan Airlines pilot went berserk, uh, had these mushrooms, and they almost crashed a plane with 80 people aboard, or 90 people. Yeah, that's a big problem, and he confessed to actually using them, and uh, he wasn't even aware of his surroundings. And after he was kicked out of the uh, cockpit, he went to the back of the plane, and he actually asked that he be restrained because he knew something was wrong. And then after that, he went and tried to open an emergency exit door, and the stewardess's flight attendants had to stop him from doing that. So he endangered the plane twice. Once he tried to shut the engines off, 
another time in mid-flight, he tried to open up the emergency exit. So basically it tells you that the mind, his mind was not functioning, and that's one of the things that people don't understand. This is a mind-altering drug. And uh, I remember when the uh, Chinese took over, somebody was telling me, Bill O'Reilly was telling me the story the other day, they killed, they shot in the head all the drug addicts uh, that they had. Um, Did you hear that story yet? No, I didn't hear it, but yeah. in some countries, uh, you know, like if you go into certain airports in certain countries, like in Singapore, they basically tell you that uh, dealing drugs is basically equals death penalty in some of these countries. So they have a zero tolerance. And in the Philippines, too, they actually are very aggressive about that as well because it basically destroys society and it can destroy your youth when not. With all these drugs coming over the border, is this the dumbing down of America? Well, it's the not only the dumbing down, it's also making us broke because you lose productivity when people are high. And also, guess what? A lot of these young people are showing up in the emergency rooms and even out east in the summertime, people slip. You know, there's no dosage. There's no labeling. How many milligrams is this? Like when you go to the pharmacy, people take these things and suddenly they're out cold. They end up in an emergency room and it's costing us as a society. It's going to cost us billions of dollars taking care of all these people. And some of them will end up permanently disabled with psychiatric disorders. So there's a there's a lot, a lot to be learned and a lot more education needed to protect the children of America and the people of America. Dr. Peter Michalos, thank you uh, for coming on. And people in America, I hope they, everybody wakes up and we want to live long and prosper and not die young. Thank you so much. Thank you for helping us get the truth out and giving us the microphone to help people get smarter and live longer. What is today is Senator uh, Eric Schmidt of the great uh, state of Missouri and middle America. And uh, he was Attorney General from 2019 to 2023, now as the U.S. Senator. Um, Senator, uh, you are on so many important committees. So many things are happening in our country. At 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you can't sleep, what are you worried about? Uh, China's ambitions. I don't think that um, we're starting to come to grips with that as a country, but uh, China views themselves as a you know, 5,000-year-old civilization. They are hell-bent on world domination now. They've kind of showed their fangs. Um, they are using the Belt and Road Initiative to get other countries into a debt trap. They can turn on and off energy. They've built islands in the South China Sea. They're completely weaponized. They have hypersonic missiles. They're in space. They have a bigger navy than we have. They have 12 naval shipyards, each one of which has more capacity than any of ours. We only have four. If you think about that, <clears throat> the dynamic has changed dramatically. We've never, United States of America, you know, during the Cold War, we had a nuclear rival with Russia, a military rival, but never a military and an economic rival. That's what we have with China. And so uh, we've got to take it seriously. Um, we don't have a, the, uh, a military industrial base right now. We need to build that back up so that we can compete. So I think China and their ambitions, and uh, this is, I think, how the 21st century will be defined when you look back. Uh, people are saying, uh, Senator, and you're on the Armed Services Committee, we're running out of bullets. We're running out of uh, fuel because the fuel reserves are so low. And God forbid there's a real war that we may be in trouble. Yeah, this is a big concern. And I think it plays into, again, the, the Biden agenda 
um, when you uh, have this obsession with climate alarmism like they have, we have all the energy we'll ever need right under our feet to be competitive from an industrial perspective. Um, but we're shipping all those jobs essentially to China. And um, they're mining all those rare earth materials there. We could be doing it here. They're doing it there. Uh, our supply chains are compromised. We need to bring those home. How many minerals are in Afghanistan that we gave them, number one? And number two, of the $85 billion of military equipment we left behind, how much of that is coming back to haunt us? Exactly. And I've asked that important question, how much of that is, is being used right now by Hamas? One of the other things we know, John, is that uh, this administration's policy as relates to Iran has been a total disaster. It's a continuation of Obama's with the Iran nuclear deal sending pallets of cash that they use to fund terrorism. And so when you say Iran is the, the number one state sponsor of terrorism, what does that mean? Well, we saw what that really looks like. Paragliders coming into a concert, mowing down people running away, burning the elderly alive, beheading babies. That's what this is. And this soft on Iran approach is nuts. I mean, Joe Biden has his, um, his proposed pick for ambassador to Israel is Jack Lew. Who's Jack Lew? The former Treasury Secretary under Obama that was the architect of the Iran nuclear deal. So they've got every, everything they could get wrong, they've gotten wrong on foreign policy. It's a mess. Uh, I, I understand that. And uh, the, the real problem uh, being that uh, under President Trump, we restricted Iran to 400,000 barrels of oil a day. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you wake up. Iran is doing 3 million or 3.5 million, we're not sure yet, of barrels a day, which translates to $2 billion a week. Mm-hmm. So the American consumer who's paying higher prices for gasoline, we are funding Russia a billion dollars a day in excess oil prices. We're funding Iran uh, th- uh, $2 billion a week in excess uh, oil prices. And you know who's funding the war in the Ukraine? We are. Yeah. We're paying for Russia to pay for the, uh, the Russian Foreign Legion, uh, the Wagner Group, or we're paying Iran for the Iranian Foreign Legion, the Hamas. Well, think about this. Add on top of that, Joe Biden in an election year ploy like the student you know, loan forgiveness scam, which was thankfully overturned by the Supreme Court. When I was AG, we brought that case. But like that, another election year ploy was he depleted the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, sold it to China. We're at a historic low for our Strategic Petroleum Reserve now because he wanted to get votes to try to temporarily lower gas prices last last fall. But um, it's worse than that, John. I think when you look at this, imagine an America where we actually – you know, countries have gone to war since the beginning of time over natural resources. <clears throat> we have all the natural resources we ever need. Think if we were the largest exporter of liquefied natural gas or oil and gas in the world to European allies. That is a huge advantage for us. It allows us to project power. It's good for our economy. It's good for jobs. But the Biden administration, again, has declared war on that. Well, when the Biden administration, Senator, declared war on fossil fuels, it doubled the price of fossil fuels cost the American people a trillion dollars worth of net worth by raising the price of food, raising the price of gasoline, and all that money went to Russia, OPEC, and Iran. Yeah, and, and look, <coughs> inflation isn't some uh, tornado or natural disaster. There's a formula for it. It turns out if you spend trillions and trillions and trillions and you cut off domestic energy supply, the price of everything goes way up. 
That's where we're at. And that's where most Americans feel. I know in Missouri, people go to the grocery store. That is an inflation tax every single week. Every week. Every week. Every week. And when you go to the gas pump, every week. And, uh, you know, this war on fossil fuels. And I don't, you know, some, the automobile companies are losing a ton of money on electric vehicles because not everybody wants them. Look what it's doing. Look at the strike now. This is the tip of the iceberg, John. This is just the auto industry. You're going to see this in a bunch of other places. By them pushing this agenda, it's displacing American workers. They, uh, Ford lost $4 billion alone, just Ford, on their In 13 money. weeks. Yeah, it's nuts. And so, uh, you know, I'm all of the above, but let people decide this kind of thing. Well, the Toyota chairman has said, I'm going to make diesel cars, I'm going to make gas cars, I'm going to make electric cars, I'm going to make hybrid cars. Let the people decide. Why is President Biden trying to force it down, electric cars down people's throats? Because this climate alarmist agenda is like a religion to the left. It is a, it is a religion to them, and, um, and all of us are paying the price. Senator, we got a minute left. Anything else you want to tell the American people? Well, there's a lot on the line, right? And, um, you know, we're getting around making sure that we take the Senate back. That's going to be an important thing. 2024, we can do it. Um, we need to move an agenda that empowers people. The Democrats have, you know, completely lost their minds. And so I think the, the choice is going to be clear when people go voting it this fall. Senator Eric Schmidt, Middle America, Missouri, thank you very much for being on this, our show. And uh, come back real soon, and, uh, and we'll catch up. God bless you and your listeners. God bless America. This is the Catch Roundtable. We'll be right back. Back to the Catch Roundtable. With us today is Gordon G. Chang to give us an update on what is going on in the Far East with China and, and all the surrounding areas. Gordon Chang, uh, give us an update. What's going on? Seven days ago, Chinese vessels rammed two Philippine boats at Second Thomas Shoal, uh, which is part of the Philippines in the South China Sea. This was a dangerous escalation. So on Wednesday, President Biden, in his initial remarks, as he was welcoming the Australian prime minister to Washington, actually issued a warning that the United States was willing to use force to oppose China's actions. This was to discharge our mutual defense obligations with the Philippines in our 1951 treaty. In other words, Biden was saying that we are willing to go to war with China. That's how bad the situation is in the South China Sea right now, because China over the last, especially the last couple of months, has been engaged in very dangerous activities at both Second Thomas and Scarborough Shoals. The Chinese think they can get away with these provocative incidents. And these are the types of events that can lead to global war. And the reason is that if China does spark a war in the Philippines, there's no way that in Beijing they can back down because right now only the most hostile answers are considered to be politically acceptable. And if China goes to war, we can have to assume that North Korea will attack South Korea and maybe even Russia may come in and try to grab some of Japan's northern islands. So we have conflict spreading very quickly. That means, Can John, the United that States a- fight three wars? I mean, uh, the one in Taiwan and the South China Sea, Korea... Ukraine, Iran, I mean, are we getting Um, divided a little? Well, we certainly are. Um, And this shows you that once peace and stability break down, war can spread very fast. And the question is, I, I think is, 
we almost have to confront China and Russia wherever they are. And the reason is, if we were, for instance, to let the Russians have Ukraine, then China and Russia could divert the resources that otherwise would have gone into the war in Ukraine to attacking us someplace else. But even more important than that, in the sense that uh, once China and Russia start to have victories, they create a sense of invincibility, and therefore it makes it very difficult to oppose them elsewhere. So we're at a point where global order could dissolve quickly. And remember, it's not just China and Russia. Um, the State Department about a week ago warned that Azerbaijan and Armenia could go to war with each other. That's not a China issue, um, but what it is shows that once order falls, uh, breaks down, then um, countries around the world thinks that they could, think that they can attack each other. That is really, really dangerous. With Saudi Arabia, uh, people tell me that the reason Iran used Hamas to attack Israel is they were very nervous about uh, Saudi Arabia aligning themselves with China. Now with China, well, Saudi Arabia aligning themselves with Israel. Yes, well, um, before October 7th, when Hamas attacked Israel, it looked like Israel and Saudi Arabia might come to terms, which would have been historic. This would have been a continuation of President Trump's Abraham Accords, which brought peace to the Middle East. What Biden did when he became president was he made good on his promise to make Saudi Arabia a pariah over the Khashoggi murder. And that opened up the door for China to establish warm relations with Saudi Arabia and to toss out the United States. Remember, when Biden went to Saudi Arabia, the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, just took his revenge on the U.S. and humiliated our president. So really what Biden has done is he's opened the door to this disorder in the Middle East. Also, people in the region are saying that the Biden administration's failure to respond to a Houthi attack on Bahrain forces was a signal to Iran that they interpreted that means that they could have, you know, attacked Israel, which is what happened. So the failure to be resolute to support our friends like Bahrain have led Iran and Hamas to think that they could get away with an attack on Israel. That is uh, interesting. What else would you like to tell the American people this Sunday morning? This time is the most consequential in our era. This is the time when we can reestablish order or we can see the world fall apart and conflicts break out all over. If there is war around the world, it will also be fought on American soil because we know that the Biden administration has allowed hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese males of military age pretending not to speak English, coming here without family members, with known links to the Chinese military. And so whatever, you know, what we saw in Israel on October 7th, could very well happen here. And by the way, in that September 11th deal that President Biden announced with Iran, the hostage release, the $6 billion that went to Iran, that was also at the same time when Biden gave clemency to two or three Iranian operatives and didn't send them back to Iran. They, he released them into the United States, which means that Iranian and Chinese operatives can link up and attack us. So this is a precarious time. Well, Gordon Chang, I pray for our country. I pray for uh, stability. Uh, let's catch up again real soon. Thank you so much, John, and stay safe. What the heck is going on in the automobile industry? With us today is Robert Lutz, and he's been with almost every major automobile company that there is. 
a board member right now with Ford Motor Company. He was with Chrysler. He was vice chairman of General Motors. Bob Lutz, it looks like Ford has settled with uh, the UAW. Give us a briefing of uh, what does that mean in the future? Well, I think the contract, first of all, this is not like other labor negotiations. This was a gun to the head from a government-sanctioned monopoly called the labor union. And in the past, the UAW always had a realistic respect for the needs of an automobile company to, to stay competitive. This time they did not. And I think a lot of what's what had to be given back was exactly the same things that caused the American automobile industry to be in big trouble in 08. So I think we, we've settled, but it means that the labor cost for the American companies Ford General Motors and Stellantis, which is Franco-Italian, are going to be uncompetitive with the rest of the world. Yes, it's not just a competition within the United States. It's it's a world it's a world community now where you're in competition with everybody. Well, Um, sure. First of all, you've got Tesla, which has no union. You've got the transplant companies down south who have no union. And then you've got the Koreans, the Japanese, and ultimately the Chinese. And what we're going to see playing out over the next few years is, once again, declining profitability and losses, market share losses for the American-based companies. Now, the other thing with with President Biden and pushing the electric cars— Versus like the chairman of Toyota says, well, I want to make electric cars, but I'm going to make all cars to let the people choose from, which I'm in agreement with letting the people choose versus forcing electric cars down people's throats. This is is the problem with the whole electric car movement. As I've told you in a past interview, I believe in the future of electric cars with more advanced batteries, quicker recharge times, and a, a denser net of recharge stations. Electric cars will ultimately take over, but it's going to be a gradual process. The problem with this whole thing, it's been a, a combination of liberal media hype and government pressure that has tried to force development, which takes time to manifest itself. So basically, the public is having a gun to its head. The media were always, oh, electric cars, electric cars, everybody's got to do them. A lot of people got caught up in the hype. As I say, the transition will happen, but why not let it happen gradually and naturally as people come to the conclusion that my next vehicle is going to be electric? And it's going to take time for a lot of people to realize that. Agree 100%. It's like the CEO of Toyota saying, I'm going to make all the cars. I'm going to make hybrid. I'm going to make diesel. I'm going to make gas. I'm going to make electric and let the customer select. And that's a Yeah, good well, attitude. he's the only one that wasn't being politically correct. I think uh, a lot of the others didn't believe what they were saying, but they felt it was the, the right thing to say. Now, in other words, they're afraid of the government. Well, yeah, afraid of the government and afraid of the media and afraid of alienating public opinion because of the pressure on climate change, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it's a a case of Akio Toyota being the only one who was not being politically correct and who dared speak what many of us realized anyway. Bob, uh, we have uh, a minute left. What else would you like to tell the American people? 
I'd say to the American people, as I always say, be open-minded about electric cars. If you find one that suits you and has the range that you need and is affordable, go ahead and buy it with confidence, but don't let yourself be pressured into it by the government. Thank you, Bob Lutz, a veteran in the automobile industry, and uh, you've done it all. Thank you for speaking out to the American people, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning. We'll bring you the latest in what's happening in our community, our country, and the world. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a nice Sunday.